Our next guest on the podcast is a longtime friend of the show and fellow podcaster himself. Not only does he host multiple podcasts every week, but he produces them as well. And believe me, from what I've seen, he's one of the hardest working podcast producers I've ever met. Additionally, he's a music producer working for labels like Night Drive Music and Tarantic. Tarantic Records. There we go. See, I was thinking tantric, but that would be an <laughs> entirely be different, different kind of music. That's, that's yeah. different, yeah, genre, for sure. Um, and self-producing <laughs> his own music under the name Yellow Gold. He's a man of many talents. Jason Howell, welcome to the podcast. Hey, it's it's good to be here. It's been a while since I've heard those label names. I have not created music that has been released on a label in a very long time. But it's okay. nice to revisit them in right. this interview. And, and they're still on your LinkedIn. <laughs> oh, okay. So well, so you know, because you at, because at a certain point, I was like, I'm going to put this in here because it makes it seem a lot more official that I make music because I have oh, the. Yeah. Meanwhile, that was that was like when I was producing more electronic music, which was like early to mid 2000s ish. Okay. And, uh, yeah. you know, and honestly, it's also a testament to how out of the LinkedIn game I actually am. I hardly uh, I hardly visit LinkedIn, to be honest. In, indeed. LinkedIn is one of my superpowers. So, yeah, that's uh, that's that's kind of how I roll is okay. on LinkedIn. So, yeah, but uh, I don't spend much yeah. time there. So the last time you were on here, we were talking about the state of Android, but it was 2020. So it's been a while since you've uh, since you've been on here, and uh, Android's been going through a lot of stuff. Uh, most recently, Android 12. Uh, you just finished off your Pixel 6 and Pixel 6 Pro reviews on the All About Android podcast. Very much yeah. enjoyed listening to those. Cool. So uh, yeah, I just got my own Pixels. I did a Pixel 6 review for LifeWire. Um, and I just got my own in somewhere. I think I put it in a drawer. Uh, so but, you got the six. Did you get the six pro as well or the six to start? I just got the six and I'm only going to get the six because as much of a fan as I am of, of optical zoom, I can't see spending the extra 300 bones for it. You know, that's a lot. That's a I, big ask. That's a I big honestly, ask. I think that's, that's the right that's the right answer um, because yeah. I used the six pro I reviewed it and then Leo went to um, Oaxaca for a week and his yeah. six pro wasn't delivered in time. So I was like, dude, just oh. take, take mine. Then you okay. can use it and get, get used to it. And that'll mm -hmm. give me, that'll force me to use the six. Cause otherwise I'd just be lazy and stay on the six pro or whatever. And so I ended up using the six for a week. And at the end, like I, I, I would prefer the six over the six pro for sure. The only thing that keeps me on the six pro is the, uh, is the optical zoom, which is just the lens that I prefer to use. Um, when I have sure. a camera. Well, and you have kids. So, I mean, that's, yeah, I mean, it comes it's, in it's, handy, very handy. Yeah. It's, it's my working theory that like anybody who has small children usually is going to prefer a telephoto over a wide angle zoom. So that's, totally. you know, that's where I am. That's where my podcast, you know, co-producer cliff is. So yeah, we just, cause we, we put kids up on stages and we're way too far away and we need to get yeah. closer without yep. making everybody behind us angry. Yep, or they're so, on a swim team, and that those swim lanes are long. At least that's the the case uh, in our house. Oh, nice! <laughs> two two my, girls my... on swim team, so like trying to record them or or take pictures of them while they're doing it. You know that that telephoto comes in handy. My daughter is contemplating uh, swimming herself as a sport. So now that she has abandoned gymnastics because she's broken six bones in the last three months. Holy so, moly! Okay. Yeah, she yeah, has not had a good year. Swims not as much of a contact sport as uh, as gymnastics is. 
right it's right, also a really so. good life uh, like life skill to have that's that's one thing that i really love about my kids being in swim is like if oh yeah you know, it's they're, they're not learning like i'm sure you can find a lot of life skills in a lot of different sports but at least with swim like that's literally a sport that that skill can save your life so right <laughs> yeah totally although uh, there was a gymnastics movie the one time where like two gymnasts were like getting facing down like three thugs and they like just started doing like oh back handsprings and crap and like just freaking them out and like they ran away and i'm I like you know what that would intimidate me too <laughs> i hadn't considered the the kung fu aspects of mm. gymnastics that's true it's a very good point indeed so you know adita is is here i don't even know if i pronounced that pronounced that correctly i apologize i'm just going to call you a uh so a man uh was talking about the pixel 6 um and was wondering about the in display fingerprint sensor now personally i don't like in display fingerprint sensors never really have but um a, a, there's been a lot of commentary about how the fingerprint sensor is very slow I was wondering if you've run into that particular issue with your pixels. My preference is definitely a hardware fingerprint sensor over an in-display sensor. That's just my preference, period. Uh, if in-display fingerprint sensor has to be there, like I get used to it, right? I know a lot of people have complained about the 6 and the 6 Pro fingerprint sensor. I honestly, I'm having a really hard time differentiating it being any better or any worse than the majority of other fingerprint sensors that I've used. Certainly, yeah. I've used phones. There have been some OnePlus phones that I've used that it seemed like the fingerprint sensor was so fast. Um, but I mean, but I don't have the problems that it seems like a lot of people are having with the six and six Pro. So I'm fine with it. It's it's been working fine for me. I don't know if I just you know, if I was more uh, purposeful with my training of my finger or made sure that my finger wasn't sweaty when I trained it or what, I haven't even, yeah. I haven't even trained like the same finger multiple times, which is something that you can do when these sensors don't work as well. Mm. Um, I haven't even done that. And still I'm having fine experience with uh, the six pro yeah. fingerprint sensor. That's just me though. Doesn't yeah, seem no. like, I mean, it seems like a lot of people are having issues, so I'm not saying it's not an issue. It's just not for, for sure. Me. Yeah, me too. And like my 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 Pixel Six review went out after I'd had the phone for like four days, and my personal Pixel Six just arrived yesterday. So I'm working on a total of five days with this device so far. So I haven't had nearly enough time to form a really a cogent opinion about it. But same deal. I would say like you know I'm just more I'm maybe I'm just being more deliberate about it that you know than you have to be. I don't know. So mm -hmm. but anyway. So I want to talk about about you a little bit because that's what Beyond a Doubt is here for you know it's 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 cool. to talk about it's to talk about the creators and you've had you've had an interesting journey you started off um as a video producer for was it cbs i believe it was well and yeah then... it was C cnet prior to them being acquired by cbs so i started oh with okay in 2005 yeah. okay gotcha gotcha and then you moved on to you moved over to twit and you've been there pretty much ever since which mm -hmm. is you know I, and i thought it was an interesting transition because you know obviously twit is renowned throughout the tech industry but when it comes to like actual like size of the company going from something like cnet you know down to like maybe i would say more of like a mid-size company something like yeah. that twit yeah, maybe. I mean, it's it's pretty yeah. small. We have, I think, we have less than twenty employees right now, so it's yeah. a pretty pretty small outfit. Yeah. Yeah. So I mean, like, what was uh, what what kind of drew you? Because you, you, what kind of drew you to the Twit Network? What was it that uh, made you want to make that jump? 
Well, I mean, it was a it was a couple of couple of reasons. When I was at CNET, um, and I finally kind of transitioned into working and and kind of you know helping to lead their podcast division. I was working with a friend of mine, Tom Merritt, um, okay. and we were doing a podcast called Buzz Out Loud. And we just worked really well together. Me, Tom, Molly Wood, you know, the, that whole podcast team, we worked really closely together. Tom had um, previous kind of history with Leo Laporte, who runs the Twit Network. And okay. so when Leo decided, I think this was like 2010-ish, that he was going to take what he was already doing with This Week in Tech, you know, the podcast and a handful of other things, and he was going to build out a full-blown network and really yeah. kind of commit to it. He reached out to Tom and said, hey, Tom, I want you to be a part of this. So Tom left CNET to go there, and then Tom reached out to me and had convinced them and said, hey, do you want to work with me over here? And, nice. you know... Tom really was very instrumental to me as far as learning what I knew about podcasting, as far as ultimately giving me the opportunity to be involved in podcasting. When he pulled me over uh, to buzz out loud at CNET, it was 2006. And, uh, you know, he was based, I remember him specifically saying like, Hey man, like this is early on podcasting. If you, if you know, I don't know who knows how things go, but if you come over now, you could be at the, at the front of the podcast wave. And I was like, yeah. okay, well, there are many opportunities in life to be at the front of a wave of anything. So let's mm -hmm. do it. You know, not to mention it sounded like a lot of fun. Um, so when he went over to twit and reached out to me, I, you know, I, I missed working with him. Um, I knew, you know, Leo and respected the, the Twit network and, and everything. And it seemed like a cool opportunity. So I was like, why nice. not? I'm, I'm young enough. Let's do it. Yeah. And I mean, it, so like in, in my world, I consider like the debut of Serial to be like when podcasting went from, you know, something that, you know, nerds do to mm. something that a lot more mainstream and like when you're talking about like 2006 2007 that's that's almost a decade pre-serial so i mean you definitely yeah. were getting in on the uh on the ground floor of that uh or, or is that is that right the yeah. leading wave you know whatever yeah you were definitely uh early on the uh on the um on the trend so sure. well well done like and i remember like personally i always thought that podcasting back in the day i was always like i was always like one of those like why would i want to listen to a podcast that's just like radio that's not good enough to be radio ha, and like yeah, it's yeah, just, yeah, yeah. and it's and it's funny because like it, back in the day there were a lot of examples that i could point to that were just not very good but i mean obviously the, the twit network kind of knew what they were doing and tom Merritt, i mean he's one of the one of the uh, the founding fathers of like podcasting, as far as I'm concerned, um, and so yeah, it's a, it's a very cool transition. So now that you've you've been at Twit for so that's been what 14, 15 years now. Is that well? No, I've been. I think I've been there at Twit now about eleven years. I'm eleven on, years. I'm on okay. eleven right now. Yeah, which okay. is still a very long time. Like that's it you is. know that's longer that's i think that's the longest i've been anywhere <laughs> as far as working you know cnet yeah. i was there for five years and that felt long at the time but yeah i've been to twit for twi more than twice that now yeah that's awesome so what are you uh what are you doing there these days like what's uh what's uh, leo got you in charge of i know you've got a few different shows you've got all about android you've got um oh, the one hands-on tech i believe is is the one yeah what else you, what else you got going on over well, there you know the, the the pandemic has kind of shifted things around a lot um you know I, I mean it's it's no question that that when the covid lockdowns happened the ad market you know went all haywire and everything and mm -hmm. so there was 
a lot there have been a lot of restructuring and stuff at twit around like what shows we have and you know getting rid of shows that weren't quite performing that you know on one hand we would have loved to keep but at a certain point we have to continue kind of paying for the people that we have and everything like oh, that sure. so sure. so hands-on tech actually doesn't exist anymore it was oh it doesn't it was, okay. um it was uh ended i can't remember how many months ago but that was our reviews show but right now so what i'm doing right now i'm i'm producing and hosting all about android producing mm -hmm. and uh co-producing and co-hosting tech news weekly with my with micah Sargent, who also works at twit uh mm -hmm. that's a lot of fun and then and then primarily my other duties right now are producing for Leo on some of his biggest shows. Uh, this Week in Tech, of course, is kind of like the, the premier show on the network. That, that show's been around since, I think, 2004. And right. when you're talking about technology podcasts, like podcasts, yes, like one, <laughs> this thing called podcasts that didn't exist hardly, you know, and definitely by not by name right around 2004, but technology podcasts and, and panel discussions around technology. I mean, Twit is one of, if not the first, that did that. And so that, yeah. that's that's kind of the driving force of the network. So I produced that show for, for Leo, which is really, and it, you know, it's a pretty involved role because I'm reaching out to people throughout the, the entire, you know, uh, tech journalism landscape and, sure. uh, you know, bring testing new people, bringing, uh, favorites onto the, onto the panel and ultimately trying to create like a, like a solid recipe. It's like building a recipe. It's like you want someone who's, who has their foundation, their legacy foundation in technology, someone who can provide some kind of like energy and color, you know, speak to some yeah. color on on the show and like if you can get the the elements right it makes for a really engaging show so so i produce that for leo um also do uh produce this week in google um also produce uh security now with steve gibson and then when leo is out if leo goes on a vacation or whatever he needs people to kind of fill his shoes for ad yeah. requirements i'm gonna you know uh, they uh the advertisers require in in network uh hosts to read most of those ads and so sure, sure. i will fill in for him and you know drop in on this week in google as i did the last couple of weeks while he was gone um and that's a lot of fun as well so pretty darn busy let's just say so, that. so you're doing a couple of things over there that's cool well keep, uh, no keep I, it's, it busy. it's awesome and, and, like, and like i said i i hold the highest regard for twit i obviously all about android is my is my go-to show for like you know on the Ooh. twit network and i i check out the other shows when i have time um, but yeah. you know, it's a lot of content, days, you know, it and, is, and, it and is. our content is not short. Like it's, you know, it's not short form content these are longer discussions. You know, they happen once a week, but you know, like a twit episode could last two and a half hours. You know, this week in Google, mm -hmm. same deal all about Android. We've tried to, we've, we, we saw our running time creeping there a while back. And so we made some changes to the show to kind of peel it back. And now it's around an hour and a half, um, yeah. which you know, can kind of pose a challenge, especially right now, you know, we're still kind of in feeling the effects of this like lockdown work from home world um, yeah. that's that's uh, come about so quickly with COVID. And so you've got less commute time and a lot of people that's that's when they listen to shows is when they're when I listen or, to shows. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Yeah. And so when, when you're not commuting, it's harder. It can be harder to find that time. And so you know at least for all about android we thought well maybe if we shorten things down it makes it even more palatable and i don't know we're we're constantly playing with those recipes sure sure let's uh let's transition over to um let's uh, oh actually we have a question did you ever manage to get data back from your damaged hard drive 
Oh, so this was uh, this was probably like a month, month and a half ago. I had a hard drive that had a whole bunch of like, God, how detailed do I want to get on this? Basically, basically, you know, I've been writing music for 20, 30, well, probably close to 30 years at this point, And I had mm -hmm. all of these projects digitized on this hard drive and I didn't have it truly backed up. I had this external uh -oh. drive. And I was planning on backing it up on my NAS, so at least I had it in two Ooh. different places. Anyways, I can see where this is going. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you totally can. Uh, one night, I wasn't even doing anything with a computer, but I didn't realize that the external hard drive was plugged into the laptop. And I went to move the laptop. The cord yanked the hard drive, fell off the ground, off the table, onto oh. the hardwood floor. And I mean, I heard that bang, and I was like that drive is so toast yeah. and uh you know so so i had to kind of go through the seven stages of grief or whatever you want to say about losing data and uh ultimately i was looking into getting the data restored because i was like you know a lot of this stuff is really important yeah in in the end i reckon i realized a how expensive data recovery actually is and i knew that but i was like sure. but, but if there's any data in my life that's important it's this so it's worth it right, um, right but totally. you, you know you're talking probably multiple thousands of dollars depending uh, you know on what you're restoring so mm. there's that and then when i really thought about it i was like well wait a minute the top tier stuff that's on this drive i do have backed up those are the most important projects that i put on youtube music and i have stored mm -hmm. on the nas and everything that i bounced down to mp3 and that's good enough it's the yeah. second and third tier stuff that i don't but when am I ever going to listen to that? I haven't in 25 years. Yep. And I just kind of had to like negotiate with myself and and come to a place of acceptance that sometimes <laughs> it's okay to just let go. And then there's mm. other stuff on the drive that I can't even remember what it is. And if I can't yeah. remember what it is, it's like I'm sure if important. I knew it, I'd be really disappointed. Yeah. But right. I can't remember. So I'm like, you know no, what? Totally. Let it be. <laughs> you know, funny, um, I used to be a musician myself a long, long, many, many, many moons ago in a different life. And uh, we had a lot of different projects that we would work. You know, we had a couple of uh, albums that we went into, like a, kind of a mobile recording studio and recorded and stuff like nice. that. But we also had this, um, I don't know what this was. This was like a phase. We called it, so the, the name of the band was Money Grubbing Bastards. Mm -hmm. um, and so we had this phase where we went into like DJ MGB and we like changed our songs into like dance songs, like, like dance, nice. like, yeah, like, like just really weird stuff. And so like, I was, um, I was actually just recently like thinking like, you know, I would really love to have that music. And, you know, this was back in the day when I was kind of like dipping my toe into cloud services, but hadn't quite jumped all the way in yet. So, um, but anyway, I found an old DVD that we had burned with like all of our DJ MGB stuff on it. Nice. And I, and I put it in and like, I, str I tried to rip it and I ripped like, I don't know, we had like 10 tracks and like six of them ripped over okay, but four of them like wouldn't go for whatever reason. So I was just like working on the D on the CD, trying to like polish it like all nice. Yeah. I finally I finally ripped all ten tracks and I put them right in the Google Drive where I'll never lose them. There again. you go. There and you go. And so oh, it was it was it was just like and I'm like I like texted all my old bandmates. I'm like I found them. Successful recovery. <laughs> I know. I you know I mm. actually this isn't the first time that I've had this happen too. Um, long mm. quite a while ago, probably like ten or eleven. 11 years ago, actually, probably right around the time that I moved over to Twit, I had a drive that I had a bunch of projects stored, like legacy music projects from the past 10 years. And suddenly mm -hmm. it started doing making these sounds like, 
stuff and it wouldn't load and everything and i went through you know once again i went through the seven stages of grief of of losing all my data or whatever and then one night i decided i was going to continue like just see what i could do and through I, i don't know some sort of miracle it spun up and it took a while, but it got access, and I immediately started moving stuff over, and I was able to recover it. So, nice. I mean, the disappointing thing about that story is, like, you think I would have learned my lesson then, because I came this close to losing True. it all. And this True. time, I did lose it, but it's okay. I'm just gonna, I'm just gonna let it go. Life is good. Yeah. It's, it's not that important, really, at the end of the day. Hashtag cloud living, baby. So, yeah. like these days, I don't lose anything, you know. So, a uh, little, Good. little behind the scenes stuff. You know, I was telling Jason before we, uh, before we hopped onto here, I just moved into a new laptop, and for whatever reason, I couldn't get my camera and microphone to work. So, like, I went and grabbed a different laptop and like threw it down and like barely got on on time. And like Jason was like waiting for me in the studio, like what the hell? And so, <laughs> by the time I got logged in, but like. What was nice is like everything is in the cloud. So like I was able to pull up my notes for the podcast and pull yeah, up there you know, go. everything like that. So like I don't I don't store anything locally anymore. And I don't know when that happened or how it happened, but that's just kind of like how it works now. And that's probably why I have like 10 gig, 10 terabytes of cloud space at this point. So but the thing is, we, we continue to build and build and build our data library like, you know, with every with every year, we're piling <laughs> that that pile higher and higher and higher. And uh, it just it Ooh. makes any of these topics more and more complicated as the years go by. Mm-hmm. You know what happens? What happens when I pass away and I've got this pile of data and like, who does it go to and what do they do with it? Like, what are, are they, they going to want to filter through all of my data crap? Like, <laughs> probably not. They might I be know. curious, but the second they open it, they're going to be like, I don't care what 99.9% of this stuff is. Like, why are we holding on to it? I don't know. I'm an archivist at heart. It's really hard for me to let go of stuff. That's why See, this whole hard, hard drive experience, I feel like, was a lesson for me to be like, you know yeah. what? Sometimes it's okay to let go, but it's really hard for me to do that. Yeah, I, I call myself a PC pack rat. So, like, I never yeah. delete anything. And, like, I have files literally from computers that I owned in 2005 stored on a, on a cloud backup oh, yeah. somewhere. And yeah, me it's too. Like, uh, and, like, yeah. I'm really terrible with it because, like, it just, especially when you're, like, in audio and video production, it just sucks up so much room. And so, like, I've gotten to the point where, like, I've I've been able to let go of, like, some of the raw files for, like, old podcasts that I did. And now I just keep the MP3s that are ripped down, yeah. you know, but... Uh, I mean, uh, you know, a lot of the the data on that, man. Yeah, it is real. (laughs) A lot of the data on the hard drive, like I was holding onto it in uncompressed wave because I was like, you never know. Someday I might want to go back to it and remix it and then, you know, remaster whatever. You know, we're talking about recordings from when I was like in high school recording with a ghetto, (laughs) like a like a like a boom box, you know. Mm -hmm. So I guarantee you I'm never going to do that. But that's like how my mind would work. Got to keep it all pristine. It's like what I would rather prefer that had done at this point now retrospectively without that hard drive in my possession and and having data on that hard drive that now cost me two thousand dollars to recover i wish i had just exported it to mp3 because that's all it ever deserved to be and just okay. continue <laughs> on with my life you know yeah yeah i totally <laughs> totally agree and yeah that, that those are the those are the decisions that we end up having to make so well it's good to know that uh, i've got a fellow uh 
PC pack rat on, uh, out go. there along think, with me. I think a lot of us are, whether we're willing to admit it or not. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, like, and I actually have folders on my computer called probably deletable. <laughs> because, but like, yeah, you'll never delete it. But I'll never delete it. But. You know, the, the the fun the fun thing would be just to go to that folder one day and without just, thinking about it, just highlight it, trash, empty trash, secure, delete. Ooh. You won't miss it. You won't miss Ooh. it. You will not miss it. I guarantee you. Oh, you are such a rat. That's like waking up in the morning and just dismissing all your notifications before you even pick oh, up your phone. Like a monster. Yeah. <laughs> what kind of monster are you? No, seriously. That's, uh, yeah, I, sh- I probably should just go and delete all that stuff i'm, I'm telling you to do this but it's really hard for me to even do that so yeah delete, yeah don't don't listen to me but you first <laughs> exactly <laughs> so hey should i should i share my folder and watch so everybody can let's go through it and... together i yeah. think that would be really informative for everyone that's a hard pass anyway uh so let's <laughs> let's talk a little bit about music because music is actually a, a very big uh very big part of your life uh well how yeah. did you first get into like music and like what were some of your earlier influences and then we can talk through and how, to where we are today um how did i get into music i mean you know i, I always kind of well i always loved music well okay actually that's not true very early uh, junior high, I was really into the Commodore 64. My my love of music really stems from the Commodore 64. Aside from the fact that I was born in, you know, that I was like grew up in the 80s, born in the 70s, but grew up in the 80s and, mm-hmm. you know, enjoyed 80s music and everything. But the Commodore 64 was the first time <laughs> that I got passionate about music. And uh, I suppose that's part of the reason why I work in technology. I used, I was so nerdy about it that I would record songs from the Commodore 64 onto a cassette and listen to them while I was mowing lawns i was that nerdy about it and so that's kind of where my love for music started somewhere along and and i had a a, you know i have a one of my best friends who shared that love of of commodore 64 music and then metal and then you know we were into death metal and grindcore and uh, punk rock and everything we started you know started getting our own instruments and playing music together and then we created bands and basically growing up in junior high and high school my entire group of friends were all incredibly creative some of them were artistic some of them were musical but we all did all things together and so ultimately that just led to a lot of creativity and creation that's that's why i have literally a crate full of audio cassettes of different like you know jams that we would get together to do or me and that guy in his bedroom with a with a synthesizer you know making songs or whatever and uh which are all things that i had digitized on that hard drive by the way but anyways right um (laughs) so so over the years we just you know that expanded at some point you know my best friend got a four track uh recorder a four track cassette recorder and started creating songs you know layering with four tracks and i thought that was cool so i did it and then yeah he he created his band his one man band called the fabulous medicine men and i created mine which was called yellow gold and we nice. would map out our releases we're talking like uh you know senior year of high school ish junior senior year of high school so we would sit down and we would be like all right so my first album is called i don't want and it's a seven inch and it's got this track on it and this and we'd map them all out and then we'd go back to that map and we'd record the songs and then we'd mix them down on a tape and give them to the other and he'd give me his and we'd listen to him and that was just like you know and then over time that evolved then we started recording music together and i don't know it's just music's always been a creative facet of my life i always have songs 
bubbling around in my head whether I capture them or not and I just enjoy it. It's a really yeah. uh, it's just a really enjoyable um fulfilling um creative outlet for me and uh I I would not be as happy as I am just as a human being if I didn't have it. <laughs> What's your uh, primary instrument these days? Guitar, piano, keyboard? I mean, um, Fruity Loops. I can, yeah, I can, I can play them all with varying degree of skill. But I mean, the one that I probably play regularly is guitar. Okay. I'd say the 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 instrument that I hold nearest and dearest to my heart is the bass. I would love to like get get involved with some people locally and and you know start playing some live bass for with somebody. I haven't done the live collaborative thing in a really long time. We're talking decades yeah. at this point and I'm yearning for it. I'm I'm actually really wanting to do that. So I see that in my future, but um yeah. but yeah, I'll play honestly when it comes to musical instruments, like I'm interested in playing whatever. Even if I've never played it before, I'll pick it up mm -hmm. and I'll I'll see what I can get out of it, and uh, if I can get even anything remote that sounds remotely interesting out of it, I'll want to like bring that into a recording and see what I can do. You know, laying it on there a you track. Go. You know, well, up high, ba fellow bass player. There you go. Pop. Yeah. So yeah, that went back in my band days. I was the bass player and the singer, and I didn't do either particularly well. But uh, <laughs> I, I was the, I was the really the only one in the band who had like the type of personality that could like kind of keep a crowd going so, <laughs> that's important but, uh, it's important it is it is it's yeah. important in a, it's an important trait in a front man but uh yeah. but awesome so i was listening to some of your yellow gold stuff that's on soundcloud so yeah. you link oh, in cool. the show notes um and um it was uh it so it seems like recently how would you describe your genre? It's it's very electronic. <laughs> it's very like it's very chill. I like it. it yeah, it's cool. like really it's really like super chill type stuff. Like the kind of stuff that I would not the stuff that I would play while I'm working because that usually is more a little bit more high energy like yeah. shine down type stuff. But that's kind of like stuff that like I would like to have in the background like while I'm reading or something like that. Oh, okay, cool. Yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah. I mean, I've I've uh, created. Over the years, as as Yellow Gold, you know, kind of um, emerged from like this this little fun little project I did with my best friend swapping tapes, and just kind of became any music I write by myself. Mm -hmm. um, it really kind of seemed like I um, kind of was drawn to creating things that were a little bit more ethereal, a little bit more kind of spaced out. Kind of, you know, I, I love to play with drones and uh, kind of uh, open open strings on a guitar and just letting them ring through instead of feeling like I have to control every string. Um, and I don't know, it's just, it's a vibe that I appreciate in music and, uh, yeah. it's, it's, it's just kind of the energy that I, that, that tends to come to mind when I sit down with a guitar. I, I tend to not create, you know, rock rockers, you know, as much as, <laughs> as just something that, um, kind of puts, puts my mind into kind of like a, 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 a numb state if I can get there that that's like yeah. that's like my my happy place I suppose when I'm listening to music is is when it when I feel a little bit ethereal and like it takes me somewhere and so yeah I don't know how you describe my music to be honest I don't know how any artist describes their music because it's so influenced um by so many different things but I yeah. suppose someone from the outside looking in might say you know it's kind of like it could be electronic indie music it could be space rock at times uh sometimes it's folky I don't know honestly <laughs> I, I don't limit myself when I sit down to write music I just write whatever's there and 
and to be honest, I'm writing for me, and if anyone else likes it, that's that's great too. <laughs> I think the next the next podcast that Twitch launches, I think you need to uh, write the intro write write the intro music for it. I have so. been, yeah, I've been had many people ask me to do that. I have actually written some uh, some podcast music. Uh, Tom Merritt nice. had a had a show called uh, Today in Tech History, I think is what it was on on Twit a while back, and I wrote the okay. music for that. Um, nice, but you know, but to be honest, like um, any time in my life that I've had to write music for a specific thing that isn't I just like me writing writing music. <laughs> Um, it really zaps the fun out of it for me. Like I really just mm. enjoy sitting down without any any requirement of anything and coming up with yeah. something. Um, I was writing music for a while with a guy um, for a show that was on NPR called Life, Love, and Health, and it was fun. Like it was it was an interesting project uh, project and process because this this episode might be about mental health or you know like a story about mental health and. Yeah write some music that would match it. And so it was kind of an interesting um, kind of exercise. But at the yeah. end of the day, it really just felt like work. It was like, oh, man, I've got to write two songs by next Tuesday. I better get creative. Yeah. Uh, where's my creativity? Come on, creativity. You know, and it's like summoning it out of nowhere is really Put difficult. Your, your creativity cap. It's like forcing and, creativity is not, it does not come naturally for me. Yeah. What comes easy for me is just sitting down and letting things flow. Well, not to mention, I mean, like you're so busy doing everything else in your yeah. life, you know, that, yeah. you know, and, and especially Aren't like in the terms of like podcast production, a lot of that is creativity as well, you know, like mixing yeah. and matching, you know, like you said, finding the right uh, formulas for guests and for, uh, you know, the chemistry on stage and, and everything like that. So yeah, it's, it's, uh, it's, it's tough. And there's a reason why I don't play bass anymore. <laughs> so, <laughs> I, I get all my creativity out through the podcast these days. So and, I think and writing. I think the yeah. fun of bass, it, from my perspective, was that I didn't. Uh, and and mind you, every band is different. I'm sure there are plenty of bassists. Well, I know there are plenty of bassists who write music for the band, but sure. I enjoyed not having to write the music as much as just writing my own part for music that yeah. was already written. And, Follow along uh, with it. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, and, and getting creative in my own domain without having to be responsible for the entire thing. So that's what I really enjoyed about bass. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So let's uh, let's shift gears a little bit. We're actually kind of running up against the clock here too. So I yeah. um, want to talk a little bit about Movember because oh, sure. uh, you're uh, you are you are letting your facial hair grow in in in, in celebration of. I never understood where the is it just mustache and November is that where yeah. November came from? That's okay. that's my understanding. So, yes. Yeah. Gotcha. So like I I'm a little bit fuzzy and I I decided when I heard you talking about this on AAA that like all right he's doing it I'm not gonna I'm not gonna shave my my stuff so that yeah. when he comes onto the show we're we're here in solidarity. Um, now, unlike you, I'm going to go shave like minutes after we get off the air here. Um, but, uh, I appreciate your commitment to, to meeting me here in this furry yeah. state, even though yeah. our furry states are wildly different. Like, yes, um, but that's OK. That's but yeah, you know, the, I, I called you off the air baby face howl and that's that's perfectly fine. It's, it's, it's perfectly appropriate, actually. This You're looking at two and a half weeks of facial hair growth here. My face does not produce hair follicles. Same. <laughs> Yours is no, two and a half weeks as well. 
Minus uh, um, October twenty fourth, I believe, was the last time. Man, I, I just wow! This is, it puts so many things into perspective for me. Yeah, like, this I, is literally the first time I've ever grown out the hair on my face. Like, and I'm I'm not exaggerating because I knew that not much would grow. Like, it's just not in my genes. My dad couldn't do it. My grandpa on my dad's side couldn't do it. It's just, I it's what I was born with. There's a there. I mean, honestly, I, if we could trade places, I probably would because, I had, like, I, I had people tell I, me that. <laughs> I, I would not mind. Although, uh, the one time I shaved my beard was back in the last time I shaved my beard was back in 2003. I remember that because it was the year I got married. And um, um, the day after I shaved, I went and go picked. I went and picked up a, a coworker of mine, and uh, you know, he got in the car. He took one look at me and said, "Either lose some weight or grow it back." <laughs> so, and that's where I've been ever since <laughs> because because he's right. Yeah, this uh, this this covers up a lot. Well, so. you're 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 lucky at least because right now, like beards, and, and it's not just now; it's for a while now. Beards beards are in vogue, man. So you're you're on yeah. the right side of of the beard trend right now. Even if I wanted to get there, I couldn't. So, <laughs> I have a, a a friend of mine, actually a, a geocaching partner of mine. He will grow out a beard so it's like a foot long and then like the next time i see him it'll be shaved and i'm like how do you decide (laughs) because he's gone through this like so many times and i'm like he's just like "Eh, well when i get sick of it i shave it and when i get sick of not having it i grow it out i'm like all right there (laughs) you go uh, see for me it's mostly laziness but this time it's solidarity but most of the time when you see me it's laziness so but uh, (laughs) so what's the uh, cause that you're supporting with uh movember well, I mean, with Movember, I mean, it's it's primarily focused on men's health issues, mm-hmm. um, and that could be, you know, a number of things, you know, all, all different kinds of cancers and, and everything like that. I focus mine more on mental health, um, just kind of as a general kind of, um, you know, compass around my time with Movember, primarily yeah. just because, like, it's the one that I think rings, uh, you know, closest to my life at least in the last three or four years you know i've, I've undergone a lot of work on myself you know I, I participate in a in a men's group a weekly men's group that has been just incredibly valuable like i can't even tell you how nice. valuable that group is uh that's with an organization called mankind project if anyone wants to look it up but it's amazing uh, actually show notes I actually, uh, you know, had my my weekly meeting with them last night, and it's just a really great place. As a man, we, uh, you know, and I can speak for myself, but I think it's it's a pretty, you know, pretty common thing that as men, we we kind of, as we get older, it, it becomes more comfortable to not speak up and not share how we feel about certain things or feel like, like our purpose is to provide and to go and, you know, to bottle up those emotions and everything like that. And I've just realized in the last three years how important, how much I have done that in my life and Mm, how important it is when I do the work to kind of take off the top of that bottle and just be my human self, not, not put up the, the armor to protect, you know, myself from the world and the world from the true me, but actually to show up as the real me in this world and realize that when I'm doing that, I'm being honest to myself. And through that, I'm being honest to the world. Like, you know, if you like me, you like me because I'm me and not because I'm like this version of me. And, um, you know, I've, I've, I've had a lot of work around that the last three weeks, uh, three uh, years, and it's been really valuable to my you know relationship with my wife, to the, my to my relationship with my job and how I show up on the shows. I mean, 
you know, there's no question that doing a podcast, we we are, I mean, po podcasting is a performance art. And, oh, yeah. oh, you yeah. know, it's very easy to get into podcasting and to think you have to be a certain something or what I suffered from from a very long time, that I had to be so smart that I knew something about everything. And oh, like, yeah. like that was my responsibility was to know something about everything. And, you know, the last couple of years I've, I've relaxed on that and been like, you know what? It's okay that I don't know something about everything because I'm human, just like all the people that are watching and listening to the shows. Like I'm mm -hmm. learning along with them. Like yeah. that's not a deficiency. <laughs> it's just part of being human. And uh, it's, it's really enabled me to feel a lot more fulfilled in the work that I do. And uh, just, you know, just knowing that I'm being as real as I can be um, every every day of my life, uh, you know, from now into hopefully eternity. So, right. um, you know, uh, so that so that's my that's kind of been my my uh, my reason for the Movember and and, and uh, focusing that on mental health, because I think it's really important if, you know, I will be working on myself for the rest of my life. And prior to the yeah. last, you know, the last three years. I wasn't, but I'm so happy that I am now. Like it's made such a change in my life. That's awesome. That's I. I think for me, um, uh, similar, you know, similar thing about you know building up the walls and you know being the the tough guy all the time. And yeah, that that definitely. My wife changed that in me uh, very early on in our relationship. You know, she yeah. uh, she. I don't I don't know what it was, but she said, you know, you you used to like not care about, or you used to you wouldn't show that you cared about things, even though you did. And 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 you know, I I need you to like show me. Yeah. And so like yeah, right. you know, and, and and really, and that's then that's really been like one of the best things. And in terms of like knowing everything, and you know, be and uh, you know, doing uh, you know, knowing a little bit about everything, and totally agree with that. I I had a, a Leo actually Leo Laporte was was one of the reasons why I completely changed my interview style to like you know. It used to be that I felt I had to know like a lot about a given subject right, going into right. it, and and I just I and I read a piece on his of his it's a couple of years ago, but I'm just like you know, and since then I've just kind of adopted the dumb guy in the room asking questions philosophy, and I and I love that because. Yeah. You know, there are certain concepts that are way above my head, you know, like and just that I will never understand. And that's fine. But um, but uh, but yeah, like just and, and, and like I said, Leo is a big inspiration in changing that attitude and changing that style. So I know I know which interview you're talking about. Yeah. I mean, when it comes to interviewing, you know, I've interviewed a lot of people on the shows. And really, at the end of the day, it's all it's about curiosity. And if mm -hmm. you can dial into your own personal curiosity into that person and who they are and why they're there and everything, then then you aren't required to know all the details because the part of the fun is the exploration, is is the revealing of that information based on your conversation and getting them yeah. to kind of open up in new ways and everything. So, yeah. Yeah, I read that interview as well. It was That was a very inspirational interview as far as um, – or, uh, yeah, the, the interview with Leo as far yeah. as how to interview. It kind of sounds a little meta, but – yeah, it, it was. It was a little bit meta, but that's OK. And um, speaking of revealing information, why don't we go ahead and re reveal some information about you? Because we're at the time of the show where it's time for you to tell everybody how everybody can find you as if as if they don't know who you are, like me, whatever. But yeah. You demand. So, yeah. <laughs> well, how, would, how would people meet, find you on the Internet? Where's your stuff? 
Well, um, you know, the shows that I'm doing, just go to twit.tv. That's the the Twit Network can be found there. All the shows that we do, lots of uh, tech, weekly technology news shows, lots of good stuff. I do say so myself, so check that out. Um, you can find me on Twitter at Jason Howell. And then my music is, is uh, yellowgoldmusic.com uh, if you want to find uh, any of the music that I produced in the last like 10 or 11 years, I have three albums up there and huh, someday I'll be working on a fourth album, but uh, I've got some work to do before that happens. So it'll happen. Maybe we, maybe we can do a collab. I'll pick, I'll dust off the bass. And we can, I'll, I'll send you a track and be like, give me your best bass line. Yeah, and then it'll be terrible and you'll be like, yeah, never mind. <laughs> so, <laughs> I'll just put a bunch of distortion awesome. on it. That there works. you go. There you go. That yeah. that always works. That's yeah. always worked for me. So, well, Jason Howell, thank you so much for coming on and um, and going beyond a doubt with us. Yeah. And uh, for being awesome and for everybody who tuned in, I want to thank you for stopping by and uh, getting the chats all uh, flutter. And it was very awesome. So thank you, Jason, for coming on. And thanks, everybody else, for giving us the benefit of the doubt.